0: you're out there in front of a lot of people, whether it's agents, whether it's conferences, wherever you're going, are you judging people on the sneakers they're wearing? Welcome to this week's episode of Hey Home Girl. Hey home girls! on this week's episode, we have the very inspirational Katie Day, leader of the Move Me to Texas team, powered by The Real Brokerage. Welcome to Houston, Texas, where the barbecue is banging and the real estate landscape is competitive. I have been slightly obsessed with Katie ever since I began following her career a few years ago. From her amazing smile to her unstoppable work ethic, Katie just makes everyone around her a little bit better. On this week's episode, we are chatting all things real estate, The Real Brokerage, her sneaker obsession, and where the market is headed in 2024. So let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining today's episode of Hey Home Girl. I'm so excited to have Katie Day from Move Me to Texas with us. Hey, Katie.
1: What's going on?
0: Nothing. Does everybody call you Katie Day? Because I feel like every time I say Katie Day, I have to say the whole thing.
1: It is something that seems to happen a lot. I was talking to someone in coaching right in, in the Tom Ferry world and like they're saying like Mary Jett is another one that you tend to say her full name. And I'm like, if I'm ever in company with Mary Jett, I know that's good company to be in. So I don't know. It's uh, I guess it's kind of always been a thing.
0: Good. Very cool. Well, you are a good company to be in. Ever since I got into Tom Ferry coaching, I feel like you just encompass everything that women should be. You are an icon to me, which is pretty cool because I don't say that about a ton of people.
1: Now I'm like nervous for this podcast. Oh man, that's uh, a high shoes, big shoes to fill, high high part of reach. So uh, I hope I don't disappoint anyone on today's podcast and I appreciate your kind words. So we'll see how this goes.
0: You won't disappoint, but I, you said shoes, you brought up shoes. I have to talk about the shoes for a second. You're out there in front of a lot of people, whether it's agents, whether it's conferences, wherever you're going, are you judging people on the sneakers they're wearing?
1: I don't judge anyone on the shoes they're wearing. Like, you know, that's, that's my thing, but if it's not your thing. I don't care if you wear them or not. It's just something that I enjoy.
0: You really enjoy sneakers.
1: Um, no, I mean, and we were joking around when we saw each other in mass, right. I was up on the East coast for a little while earlier this year and like, you know, some of our common friends were like, ah, but like, you know, I don't know what to do. i will provide you with some options, right? Like if you want to wear sneakers and don't know where to go, I can help you out with that based on their style and what colors you like and things like that. But like, no, I, mean, I think people that wear and actually spend a decent amount, you know, invest. I'm using you know, my air quotes there, but people that spend a decent amount of money on shoes and sneakers and stuff like, you know, that's a, such a small portion of the world. So I can't judge people on the shoes they wear.
0: I love that. I love to hear that, but you do judge them on their iPhones.
1: But that's just you. I, I, and really most people in general, like, if you're listening to this on an Android right now, it's probably they're like also listening to it with like corded headphones. So like I just, you know, I do, do do Bluetooth headphones even work with Androids? Yes, they okay. do. All right. Technology.
0: And they now do have noise canceling ones, which I've heard is quite the thing. So
1: yeah. I'm just happy that you got an iPhone. I, I could care less what shoes you wear. I'm just very happy to, to now text message with you because like before it was just like I, I wouldn't really want to. And now you know something that we can be friends. So yeah. I'm I'm happy exactly. for it.
0: And I love that there are women out there such as yourself that are making sneakers trendy for everybody again because <laughs> when you're doing our job and you're going into houses every single day and you're on your feet all the time. I just think it's great that we can normalize comfort and style all together at once. And you're one of those amazing people that does that.
1: I remember when I first got into real estate, I did wear heels right for the first couple months or whatever. And like, it was two specific times. And once I remember I did like jump over a fence to go into a backyard to get a key. And I was like, all right, I'm done with heels. Like yeah. that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. So I started wearing like cowboy boots for a while. And then the sneakers have been a more recent, recent thing in my life. It's not like it's been a, a long-term thing, but Yeah. Well,
0: I just think that it's amazing that you're helping to kind of make that cool and trendy because (laughs) I worry when I wear heels, if I'm going to scratch somebody's wood floors, if I'm going to do some sort of damage and, and I don't get around to them that easily. So I like the women in sneakers trend. It's definitely cool for me. All right. Let's talk about real estate. You're just getting back from Iman. Your brokerage got an amazing award. How does that feel?
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, It's interesting. So, so Reel has been around since like 2014, right? And and that's a long time in the brokerage world kind of, um, but has recently like picked up kind of momentum as of like, you know, 2020, 2021 and things like that. So it's cool seeing the work that's been going on behind the scenes for a very long time being recognized on national stages. But it's funny because it's like, you go from like kind of being the the company that no one knows about to now that people know about it. Um, So it's interesting right. To to see how, how things change over time. it's cool to just be a part of something that's growing and and, and changing and that leadership is trying to, you know, put the consumer first and put the agent first, which isn't always the case. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When I first broke off from my small independent, I had jumped right into owning a brokerage and I opened a Remax franchise and I did so 15 years ago because then that was the most agent focused that was out there. And so for me, I love analyzing different brokerage models. And I just think what everything with Real is doing is so innovative and kind of sort of, would you consider it the disruptor in our marketplace right now? Because I think that's cool. But
1: yeah, yeah, I think you know, people always use that word to describe things. Like I definitely think. Um- you know, anyone that's doing things a little bit differently than, than kind of the status quo, that's something that they refer to. And Remax was totally that, right, before. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think that that could be a good characteristic. You know, we're just trying to, try to sell houses and be a better brokerage than, than you, know, you may have options or you know, a better option than you, than you may already be at kind of thing.
0: Which is so cool. And I, I had watched a podcast or a, I think a YouTube video with you. And one of the things that you were talking about was one of the, that makes real special is when you're in a brick and mortar brokerage, you are stuck with the people that you're stuck with every single day, whether you get along with them or not. And the nice part about having a cloud-based brokerage is you can be around so many different kind of people and you can really choose who you're aligning yourself with, who you're learning with, who your mentors are that you might not get in a traditional brokerage sense, which I thought was cool. For sure. A good way to look at it. So you're all over the place. You're visiting other states. You're helping other people grow their businesses. What are three or four things that you think every real estate agent needs to have right
1: now headed into 2024? All right. So three or four things that they need. I think that the biggest thing is they need to have a plan to regularly communicate with their Past clients, if they have them, right. If you're brand new, obviously you don't have those. But past clients, and then sphere and people that you know. And I think too often that that plan is like, I'm going to call Sarah and see if Sarah knows anyone that that wants to buy or sell real estate, right? Yeah. I call you and I haven't talked in in yeah. months or years, and I'm, hey, so I just got into real estate. Want to know if you knew anyone that was looking to buy or sell? And you're just like, dude, I haven't talked to you in forever. Like that that's kind of weird. Right. And so I've always been of the idea that you should call and and catch up and have conversations and check in on the family and how their work is going, what they're doing for fun, you back to school is happening right now. So how's that, you know, they have kids, like, how's that going and just like be a human and -hmm. the business will come. So I think focusing on past clients and sphere and having a regular plan of, of communication, right. Having a regular plan of providing equity reviews for their home, whether or not you sold it to them, um, just different things that you can do to add value to them. And if they have real estate needs, like, chances are they will come to you. But like after you've built a base of value at that point, then you have the right to ask for business. But I have no right if I haven't spoken to you at all to call and ask you to send me business. It just, it's scummy.
0: So well, thankful that you said that
1: because everybody
0: <laughs> is saying, oh, you just got to call your path clients. Well, you can't, just call once. You have to rebuild that relationship if you've lost touch with that. So,
1: yeah. So I think that that's like one of the basics that that we miss a lot. People are always like, when, when can I get more leads? How can I have more leads? What do I need to do to get more leads? And it's like, you have a ton of leads in your database in the, or in your phone, if you don't have a database or, or whatever it may be, you just start there and you talk to those people regularly and, you know, kind of build that cadence of communication. So phone calls, text messages, emails, home equity reviews, and all of that, you know, birthday messages, if you've sold them home anniversary messages, and like you're probably going to hit then almost you know eight to, to 10 or 12 touches a year at that point. So past clients and sphere would be number one for me. Number two would be things to do would be coming up with a plan of lead generation. I think for newer agents, that should be open houses. If I could go back in time, I would have done an open house every weekend, but I also would have stuck in, in one neighborhood, right? When I was a brand new agent, I did open houses all over Houston yeah. and like, I didn't know the neighborhoods I was driving all over town. And like looking back on it now, I would have done them in the same neighborhood every single weekend. So you just kept seeing my signs. I think that's
0: important, especially if you're in a larger geographic footprint, like you are, I'm in a rural area. So for me, having to expand that footprint is a little bit different, but for you to be able to maximize the concentration or for any agent that's in a bigger city, that's a really great piece of advice.
1: And then number three, so sphere and past clients and communicating with them open houses and like having an actual plan to those. And then number three would be building a brand I think is very important. And so that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I was just with an agent this week in Vegas that they built their entire presence and brand on Facebook. Right. And like, you know, in posting photos with stories of like, this is what's happening in my world. Hey, this is what's happening with buyers and sellers. Hey, this is what's happening with with, different things in my life. Right. And like, The things that resonate the most are like stories about like her family and her kids and her husband and her dogs. And then there's a real estate story every now and then for me, it's Instagram for others. It's TikTok for some people it's YouTube or a combination of those, but figuring out like where your target audience is, where your past clients are to, you know, have some sort of regular communication, you know, with them and then building that brand on a platform where they're going to be
0: excellent advice and knowing the platforms that work best in your marketplace. So good. Because I
1: think that, you know, I mean, you go to a conference and you hear someone talk about TikTok or you hear someone talk about whatever, and you're like, okay, so I've got to do this. So like, you start doing it, you don't do anything well. And so like, I always like, especially for newer agents, coach them on like, okay, what's the one platform? Okay, let's start there. Once you're doing that regularly and have like, you know, something that's sustainable, then like, okay, then add in YouTube, then add in TikTok, then add in whatever, but focusing on online today, like probably isn't going to happen.
0: So let's talk about your brand for a second. Move Me to Texas. It is to me one of the most memorable brands that I've ever seen at any of the conferences I've ever gone to. A couple of years ago, you gave out a little area flip book. Do you remember the small black flip book that you did? So it was like a pot. It was like a little pocket guide, little flip book of Move Me to Texas, and it had just stats about your marketplace and a couple of things about different businesses. And that was one piece of marketing material that I got from that conference that I still remember, I think like four years later, it was just so good. The way it encompassed what you do, how you love on your community and what makes your community special, you know, and everything with your branding is fluid to that. I think. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We're not quite finished yet, but as the homegirl of your hometown, I would love to pass the mic to you so that you can share your story and some of your secrets with the homegirl community. To apply, please go to howtobeahomegirl.com in the show notes.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we realized that a lot of the buyers that we get are coming in from out of state, you know, but obviously we, we work with a lot of buyers and sellers that are already here as well. But like one of the biggest things for us is community, right? And like what we can do to, connect with business owners and community owner, people in our community, right? As well as focusing in on if you were moving here, what would be the things that you would want to know about? How can we better highlight the area and things like that for you?
0: You have a pretty good sized team, correct? How many agents?
1: We're at about 15, 15 agents on, on the team and then a couple admin staff as well.
0: Women looking to start a team, what do you think the most important hire is?
1: I think the most important hire or the first hire that you should focus in on would be some sort of admin support. Too many agents are super busy. And so the first hire that they make is a, is an agent that they just send leads to. And uh, like my expectation would be like, hey, Sarah, here's a lead, take it and then close and I get pissed at you. But I gave you no training, no direction. And there's no system of like A, B, C, D, this is how you deal with the lead. Um, and so in hiring a, you know, admin of some sort or a transaction coordinator or something to, to help on the administrative side, then you're able to start creating SOPs and creating the if this, then that stuff and the ABCD you know, steps to, to helping a buyer with a home and getting those thoughts out of your head and onto paper. And then once you have that, then hiring an agent is a lot easier because you have systems to show them of like, hey, when a lead comes in, this is how you call them. This is how you leave a voicemail. This is how you show them a home and like in tedious detail, as opposed to me just being like, hey, Sarah, go close this and not giving any direction.
0: Was it easy for you to give up the control aspects
1: of your job to your support staff? So that you could do what you really love. I mean, it's still not like I'm not. I I'm. Uh, I try really hard to give direction and instruction, and then circle back to ensure it was done, kind of thing. Or you know please, uh, you know, provide me the link when this is complete or whatever, whatever the, you know, end result should be. And then I'm sitting there like refresh, 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 (laughs) you know? So I'm, I, it, I'm, I'm bad at that. Also the type of person that like, you know, my, my disc personality for those that follow that is a, is a CD personality, you know, most most people in real estate are like IS or ID like type personalities. So they're, they're way more outgoing. They don't care about the details. I am, I'm very detail oriented um, and also a control freak. So it's it's tough for me, but I'm, I'm learning once, once we, the first really, really good TC that we had, I realized I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not as good at paperwork as I thought I was like, she's really good. So I yeah. need to like just concede control because like, if I do things now I screw them up. So
0: Yeah, And you're giving yourself that grace to be able to learn and work through it, which is important because I think so many agents will hire the wrong person and then say, oh, no, this was a horrible idea. I'm just going to do it the way I want to do it anyway. And there isn't scalability in that.
1: Well, and like nine times out of 10, it wasn't the wrong person. It was that you didn't give the right instruction to them. And like, similar to me saying like, Hey, Sarah, here's a lead, go, go sell them a house. Like you have to give tedious detail when you're, when you're training someone. And like, one thing that I always do is like, if I'm going over something with you, like I'm going to share screen and do it via zoom. So whether we're in two different places, like we are right now, or you're sitting next to me here in the office, I'm going to pull up a zoom screen and screen record so that you have something to go back to and watch. Because I've always found that like, even if I gave you steps one through 75, like you're going to miss a few. Mm-hmm. And like with a video, then you have something to go back to, to be like, oh, well, what did you say happens after step 43? Like, and you have that, you know, as a video where you're clicking through it and that that generally minimizes questions and gives someone something to go back to and reference.
0: And then it's recorded so that if you ever have to duplicate that process again or train another person, it's there. So excellent one yeah. advice. Awesome advice. Good. So let's talk about Houston. The market's yeah. pretty good there, right?
1: Yeah. The the market year over year is, is obviously, you know, a little bit slower this year than it was last. But it, you know, we still have a lot of people moving to Texas. And, you know, we're we're still busy, just obviously not as busy as the past. You know, we're in 2023 now, 2021 and 2022, were we're really busy up until interest rates started increasing. But, you know, still, still trucking along down here.
0: Does your area, does your office handle like a special
1: niche area of? Houston? Houston, are you pretty much the entire city? So we service basically everything within a 45-ish minute radius of downtown Houston. Um, as we've grown, we've we've added agents in kind of the different suburbs. So the way that Houston is, it's like you have downtown city center, and then you have highways that kind of uh, are circular around, you know, the city. And now there's three actual loops around the city. And so we handle like all of that. Um, and we've hired, you know, in in the Northeast and in the North, in the Northwest and the South. And so we've, we've tried to continue to grow to be able to assist people. Because it's like, if you've never been here before, you're just like, I want to be in a good school district. I want to be near this, you know, amenity or hospital or community or school. And like, other than that, we don't care. And we're like, you're going to need to come down here because that, that that's way too broad, right? There's just so many different neighborhoods and, and things like that.
0: And I think we see it a lot, you know, when we're looking at referral requests on some of the different platforms we're on and people are like, oh, I need an agent in New York. I need an agent in Texas. You got to narrow it down because it's even within the city of Houston or Dallas or other areas, they're just too broad of spaces for one agent or one team to know everything about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Definitely.
0: All right. So as we finish up, as we talked about before, I always ask for one piece of empowering advice to kind of give other females coming into the industry or just getting started. And you've been really passionate about this, especially over the course of the last year. I've kind of watched you elevate your status and sharing and giving back to the communities you're in. So you have your mastermind. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, women in real estate represent a significant portion. You know, it's normally, I think, like anywhere between 60 to 70% of the industry women. But then when you look at most executive boards and you look at stages and you look at different things, you know, where you're elevating people, it's like all like old white dudes. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like in looking at that, we've got to do something different. And I think part of that is finding voices in real estate and elevating those people. Right. But then also like just, just having conversation around that, which I think it's just something that we don't always do. Right. Like, so that's something that's been important to me. And I think is, is, is something that we should need to continue to work on as an industry.
0: And normalizing the fact that none of us know at all. This is a, a an industry that's shifting all of the time. And there's so much to learn and to be able to share your knowledge with other people who are just starting out and that might not have the access to mentors that you might've gotten, or that I might've gotten, I think is so important. And then Earlier this year, you had a women's conference, correct?
1: In a couple months ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that was in Colorado. Are you going to do that again next year?
1: Yeah. it's. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll do that or if we'll do something similar. You know, the events are, are always interesting and you learn from them every time, you know, yeah. like a marketing event. And I, I attend so many. So we just got to figure out like timing and location and different stuff like that. So, I mean, we'll definitely be doing similar things, you know. So stay tuned. All
0: right. I definitely will. Cause that was like a back to something else that I was going to, and I was sorry to miss it, but I just think that everything that you're doing is really impactful and inspiring. And so I hope that you just keep doing it. I appreciate that. So what's one piece of advice you can give our listeners before we sign off? I think-
1: Man, I have so many thoughts. But you know, you mentioned that like, not everyone may have access to mentors or people that can help help them to shape their career or whatever it may be. And I think when I look back on my career, there's like inflection points of like times that I met people or times that you know I, I got involved in something and things like that. And and I was talking to someone the other day because at a, a Cobble Banker event back in 2018, I actually met Tom Ferry for the first time. And they were like laughing. They were like, yes, they saw a piss that was like, oh, you know, Katie would like nervous to meet Tom Ferry, this, that, and the other right now. Like I know him and, and, you know, in his coaching world for a few years and things like that. And it's like, I remember that point in my life, how nervous I was to meet him. Right. And so I think that like when you, but now looking back on it, I'm like, I I know him and like, I saw him, I'd like give him a high five and what's up. And we would have a conversation, like know things about each other's lives and things like that kind of thing. Right. But I think that you shouldn't be afraid to ask people for either advice or mentorship or whatever it may be, right? You know, I, I wouldn't call you and say, hey, Sarah, can I pick your brain? Like, I'd be very specific in in what my ask is. I see that you're doing this. I would love to learn more about that. You know, I buy a cup of coffee, send Starbucks gift card and can we hop on a 30 minute zoom. Right. And like by having a specific ask and you knowing like what I want from you, right. You'd be like, oh, like, of course let's do this. Right. But if I'm just like, Hey Sarah, can I pick your brain? You're going to be like, well, this seems weird. Like, what do you, what, you know? what do you want? So like, I would always just be specific in what your ask is, but I would never be afraid to like, reach out to someone. You see how you may be able to learn from them or something like that.
0: Did you go to the Phil M Jones training on exactly what to say?
1: I did not similar to, to you saying like, you know, you, at a certain point you have to pick and choose what you're going to do. That was one that I, I couldn't fit in. A section but,
0: yeah. of that he talks about later in the day. And that really resonated with me because sometimes we all get in front of an unbelievably smart person and people, the room's quiet. Do you have any questions and the room goes quiet? People don't think about what to say beforehand. And so I think that just like you said, if we can understand that we are getting these opportunities to be in front of these people that might know so much, whether it's on a Zoom call or a mastermind call on Facebook or you're going to a conference, really think about the questions you have and, and understand that probably at least five other people in the room or a hundred other people in the room have the same exact question and are too scared to ask it.
1: For sure. Well, that's the entire Phil Jones thing this is like the worst time to think about what you're going to say is when you're saying it and that's 99 times out of a hundred what you're doing and yeah
0: so good well thank you for sharing this time with our listeners I very much appreciate it and maybe I'll see you next week in Texas? I will be
1: here. No, at uh, at (laughs) Summit. I will see (laughs) you. I will see you in Dallas at Summit. I'm super excited. I love that it's in Texas because it's super easy for me to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it for sure.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Ben, for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Talk to you later.